Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show. The Marxist Dems, the deep and dark state, and the corporate media they dominate are in an uproar. Astonished, astonished, I tell you, that Americans are outraged at the blatant corruption of this president, his family, and, of course, the Department of Justice and FBI, and also the judges who gave the FBI the go-ahead, the unprecedented warrant to search President Trump's Mar-a-Lago offices and seize his documents. Let's be straightforward here. This puppet president is a tragic clown, a tool of the Marxist Dems, the one-worlders, the globalist elites, and the corporatist American oligarchy. He is less popular than even Jimmy Carter at his nadir. He and his family are gangsters, living high off their graft and corruption of the Biden crime family. Joe Biden is barely functional, but he is absolutely corrupt. He's compromised, and he's very close to destroying this great country. What he and his Attorney General Merrick Garland and the ever-smug FBI Director Christopher Wray did to President Trump and the rule of law was not only an historic outrage and vicious violation of our Constitution. It was an act that means this country is forever changed. This is no longer a nation united. Ours is no longer a political system built on two political parties that share love of country, our Constitution, and believe in we, the people, consent of the governed, and certainly not truth nor equal justice under the law, and treasure the American way. No, the Democrats are no longer. Instead, they're now Marxist Democrats, and so is most of their party. And they're not so secret police. The FBI serving the Marxist Dems, they're criminal in their conduct, rancid in their corruption, and cowardly as they try to destroy the lives of innocent American citizens who chose to rally in support of their president on January 6th of last year. The so-called January 6th committee is comprised of political cretins, some of whom were initially thrilled to unleash the full power of our federal government against innocents, Trump supporters. And the Marxist left thugs thrilled to weaponize the DOJ and FBI against their political opponents, the entire Republican Party. And indifferent to the calls for mercy for the Trump rally-goers, the vast majority of whom never did harm or damage to the Capitol or those who worked there. The Marxist Dems' leaders wouldn't listen to President Trump's offer to call out the National Guard for additional security that day. They didn't bring up extra police to control the crowds. But we do know the FBI had working agents and assets in the crowds, and that some of them were provocateurs, stirring up the crowd and in some cases enticing them to enter the Capitol building itself. Poll after poll show Americans don't believe much of the January 6th committee, and they resent the Biden administration. 
Almost 80% of the country knows we're headed in the wrong direction. The Marxist Dems face disaster in the midterm elections, and those elections are now less than three months away. What to do? The Marxist Dems carry on their six years of attacks against President Trump. They deflect, divert, and seek to distract GOP voters to intimidate and frighten Republican voters with their Soviet-style disinformation, their vicious physical attacks, their intimidation of Republican officials, senators, congressmen, and yes, even President Trump. This upcoming election is, to use one of the Marxist Dems' favorite words, existential. If they win, on November 8th, the Republic is done, in my opinion, and we are no longer free citizens. Our liberty and our nation are simply no more. This election is that serious, that important, and a second, later election to bring the Marxist jackals to heel in 2024 is, in my opinion, unlikely. This is our one best chance to win, even as the left will almost certainly cheat once again. We must prevail. Prevailing is what Donald Trump is all about. And that is much of the reason he is the target of the Marxist Dems and the deep state. Despite their six years of full-on exertions to destroy Trump, first as a candidate and then to overthrow him as president, and remember, he was the full-time favorite target of the corporate media. And yet he prevailed, and he prevails even now despite long odds. The corporate media and Marxist Dems have tried to dismiss his influence in this election, claiming his popularity is waning, that he isn't truly the leader of the Republican Party. Tell that to the 185 candidates that Trump endorsed and who have won their primary races against only 18 losses. Trump is the driver in the Republican Party without question. He is the force that both parties must reckon with and no amount of fake news can change that reality. And arrogantly and viciously, the Dems and the Deep State have tried. The DOJ-FBI raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago offices was intended to reduce him, to diminish and humiliate him, just like they tried with their early morning raids on the homes of Paul Manafort and Roger Stone and former Justice Department official Jeff Clark, and it's all about Trump's refusal to bend the knee to the Marxist Dems and the deep state, to the one-worlders and the woke weaklings who infest our schools, government, and academia. Those Marxist Dems and deep, dark staters mean to do whatever it takes to stop the red wave in the upcoming elections. Make no mistake about this. What we are witnessing in the assault on Donald Trump and the Constitution on his supporters and law and order in America is simply unprecedented. They're trying to change the subject. The wide open southern border, unlimited illegals, China and Mexico's campaign to poison young Americans with fentanyl, a foreign policy that is madness itself, the disastrous economy and a president who can actually with a straight face say we have zero inflation. This troubled economy is the focus of every working man and woman in the country, small business and large, our middle class. And Biden is running from this troubled economy at every turn, and the national media with him. Joining us now, a great American, a true conservative. We're delighted to have with us on The Great America Show, Senator Marsha Blackburn. 
Welcome, Senator. And I follow you on Twitter, and your tweets are terrific. Uh, You recently tweeted about Joe Biden. You reminded folks more than a year ago that Biden said inflation would be temporary. And you reminded everybody that inflation has been running at 8 to 9%. And you had it exactly right. Here is President Biden prognosticating a year ago. We also know that as our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and are expected to be temporary. Expected to be temporary. Transitory, I believe Treasury Secretary Yellen uh, popularized. Uh, how do you feel? How do the people of Tennessee feel about this transitory r- runaway inflation? They know that it is not transitory. They are living it every time they fill up the car, every time they go to the grocery store, every time they go to buy clothes or shoes for the kids, they realize this is not transitory. And Lou, all of our farmers are telling us the cost of pesticide and farm chemicals and fertilizer is up about 300%. Diesel has doubled in its cost. We have some farmers who can't afford to get crops in the ground, and they're saying, you think we've got food shortages now? Wait till a year from now. You're really going to see food shortages. So this is something that is not transitory. I think the more appropriate question would be, have we hit a peak or how much further can this go? How bad is it going to get? Well, you know, and you're talking about the diesel. Uh, we live on a farm, a working farm, uh, and we 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 experience the same things that farmers all over the country are. That is higher prices for diesel, higher prices for uh, fertilizer, you name it. Uh, and it is crippling to the American farmer at a time when we need food security, not food shortages. And we have enough of that, thank you very much. Uh, This president's got to be held to account for this. And instead, he says, it's just part of the transition. Uh, How much does that make your blood boil when you hear him say that? Well, it makes me furious because you're asking the question, what are we transitioning to? And what Tennesseans are telling me is whatever it is that he's transitioning us to, whether it's the Green New Deal, the green economy, or as they like to say now, the leftist New World Order, this is not something that that Tennesseans are looking forward to. They don't want to give the government more power and control. They want to keep that power and control for themselves. Isn't it amazing that you hear this president uh, and his advisors talk about the liberal world order and, and say it with a straight face that that's what they're really about. And you don't hear the president empathizing in any way with those farmers, the consumers across this country who are dealing with this runaway inflation. Uh, as you pointed out, prices in many cases have doubled. Uh, the prices for food and energy have soared. It is just 
terrific. Yet there's no empathy from this administration, no concern. His war on petrochemicals continues, fossil fuels, uh, and he's fighting for what? As you say, the new world order? Give me a break. Well, and of course, when you look at what they're doing, they talk about it as it is intentional. They intend to do this because their commitment is to this socialist agenda, which is a leftist agenda, which is going to require you to pay more for fewer choices of fewer goods. It takes away your choice and options, and it gives that power to the government to decide what you're going to have and when you're going to have it. And I want to turn to that world order because it's, it's well, it's being turned on its uh, head, if you will. Vladimir Putin, whether it's his invasion of Ukraine or his insistence on uh, taking uh, some significant influence in the Middle East, uh, following following President Biden's journey to the Middle East and particularly Saudi Arabia, Vladimir Putin in Iran, uh, as you tweeted, the new axis of evil is scheming against the United States and our allies because President Biden has given them the runway they need. We cannot continue to sit back and watch it happen. Senator, what should this administration be doing if in any way they will listen to reason? What, when it comes to the new world, uh, to the new world order in this axis of evil, we have to realize that China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, that axis of evil, these are adversaries. They are not our friends. They do not wish us well. China wants to be globally dominant by the time we get to the midpoint of this century. They see this as an attainable goal. So that is something that we have to we have to recognize. So to do anything for this administration to take any steps that will embolden the communist Chinese that sends business over there that lets them off the hook so that they are not having to meet the quotas they agreed to when Trump talked with them about trade and put that trade agreement in place. You have to hold them to account. This president also should be saying to the communist Chinese, if you've got a company that's going to trade on our market over here, you're going to have to meet the same SEC regulations that American companies have to meet. If you've got a company that is trying to buy land and property in the U.S., as long as you're a bad actor, we're not going to let you do that. Um, we need to realize that there is a danger in what they are doing as they try to be more active, not less active, in the United States. The United States trying to restore our independence as food producers, the food uh, chain, the food supply chain in this country, uh, bringing it back onto shore, while at the same time, the Biden administration is letting China buy up uh, farmland, farms, ranches all across the country. Uh, it is outrageous that it's occurring, as you say. 
I, I want to turn to another part of this, and that is the return of our troops uh, from abroad that uh, that President Trump had ordered and was well underway. And now this president has put 102,000 of our troops and says he will put more in Eastern Europe uh, in response to the invasion of Ukraine by Putin. We are looking at a shortfall in army recruiting of 40% this year because these young people are sick of this nonsense about being told they're going to go into a military that is woke, uh, which they'll have to learn which pronouns and how to call refer to their fellow uh, service members uh, as colleagues. Uh, the, the nonsense goes on. You put forward a bill uh, to stop mandated uh vaccine expulsions, expulsions because our soldiers, and particularly the National Guard, refuse to take those vaccines. Where does that stand? We are trying to get this as an amendment on the NDAA when we bring that legislation to the floor. And Lou, when you look at the fact that you've got 40,000 guardsmen and 20,000 reservists who are not vaccinated, Many of these, there are thousands of religious exemptions that are there. You have other people that have had it. And news flash to this administration, you can be double vaxxed, you can be double boosted, and you still will get COVID. And the vaccine that is out there is not necessarily that effective against this current strain of COVID, and we're going to have many different strains. But to say you will be removed from service to your country if you do not get vaccinated, this is ridiculous. So we are trying to push forward this bill to keep the administration from firing these guardsmen and reservists. Good for you, and what could be more stupid of our defense secretary, the uh, General Milley, than to devastate uh, the, the the army in particular with these shortfalls in, uh, in quotas because of their woke nonsense, uh, their new age silliness that they're trying to perpetrate uh, in the military, the critical race theory as has been a part of the indoctrination in our public schools. It's now in our government and our military. Uh, it, it's time that uh, somebody made sense over there, because if they continue it, we're going to have a, uh, without question, a national security crisis because we can't uh, bring in a sufficient force uh, to uh, to man uh, our military. Well, that is that is one of the items of concern and to continue to force this issue of the mandate is just ridiculous you mentioned earlier recruiting is down uh, those that are going to be going through boot camp those numbers are lower we have every division of our defense department which has seen a drop off and you've got two reasons. One is the vaccine mandates. Another is what you see happening with the woke policies and the fact that we have troops that are saying, no, I, or we have men and women who are choosing to do something other than military service because of the woke nature of the military. We, we've had a number of people uh, on, on the Great America show telling us 
that also we're seeing a lot of the most uh, impressive and effective military uh, officers uh, leaving their various branches because they're just not going to put up with the nonsense uh, that uh, Lloyd Austin uh, and, and General Milley are, are throwing at them. Uh, and that's also stopping the recruiting. Good, uh, good on you, Senator, for for putting forward your bill, and let's hope that it uh, uh, is uh, passed soon uh, because we do have a crisis facing our military. I want to ask you, because we always we always give our guests the last word, I, I want to ask you what you think the election uh, will outcome will be this year, uh, and why are you, and also in that, if you would, uh, please, uh, give us a sense of whether or not you think uh, Donald Trump will be running. Well, I don't know if the president is going to run or not. Uh, That's going to be his decision that he'll have the opportunity to make. And, of course, we've got the midterm elections to go through. And, uh, Lou, the president's endorsement has turned out to be one of the most coveted, probably the most coveted endorsement in these races. Uh, He is very active, and I am grateful that he is so active. I miss President Donald Trump every single day. Now, I don't know, um, when we look at the, the elections for the House and the Senate, I think you'll see us take the House and the Senate And also, I think that what you're going to see is in our governor's offices, our state legislatures, people are sick of all these mandates. They're sick of the out-of-control spending. They're looking for some leadership that is disciplined. So it is my opinion that you're going to see some changes coming your way in November. Well. Uh, that's uh, welcome uh, to everyone listening to this podcast, their ears, uh, certainly to mine. And like you, and I think uh, I know tens of millions of Americans, uh, we, we miss Donald Trump greatly. Uh, the nation certainly uh, misses him uh, and our our entire government. Uh, they don't miss him, but uh, uh all of us who are concerned about this country's destiny certainly do, and our national security and the well-being uh, and prosperity of all Americans, because this president has just shown us what the uh, the very opposite of Donald Trump looks like, and it's a uh, it's an ugly You're vision so right. and an ugly view. Senator Marsha Blackburn, we thank you for being with us. Look forward to our next conversation. God bless you. Senator Blackburn had it right on the Dems' efforts to run from the economy, and polling shows the economy is huge for voters, as you would expect. And now to give us clarity on the mindset of voters and their outlook, we have with us today one of the most accurate pollsters in the country. He's always discerning what is on the public's mind. Robert Cahaley is the head of the Trafalgar Group and leading Republican strategist. And Robert, it's great to have you back with us here on The Great America Show. We're all looking for clarity on the body politic now, and we'd like you to give us your sense of the mood of the American voter. Well, uh, first of all, it's always great to be on the show, uh, uh, Lou. I've I've been a fan and tuned in to watch you through a couple networks, and it's just 
always great to, to talk to you. So it means a lot. Well, thank you. Um, I think the country is what we're getting is people are still very dissatisfied. You know, a little downticking gas that isn't going to solve these problems. Uh, people are frustrated about the inflation. It's like every direction they look, there's something wrong, and their government isn't there to solve it. In fact, their government's making it worse. So whether it's uh, the cost of gas, whether it's the availability of food, whether it's the price of food, whether it's the availability of, uh, you know, chips delaying delivery of cars, delaying delivery of parts, delaying delivery of what you order. Look to the border, people are running across the border every day. Uh, they look to foreign policy, they, they, don't, they don't know exactly, they see a, a debacle in Afghanistan, they see us leave enough weapons on the ground that, that could have won the war for Ukraine, <laughs> and then they, they, they see us spending all kinds of money on, on things that, that they, they question. And it's just frustrating. And then they see things on the news about what's, what's China doing and what's Russia doing and, and what's Iran doing. And then America is focused on transgender military ads. And, and they just kind of cry out, why, why are they doing everything backward? The it's, government is failing to do the things people want it to do. You know, that's, an, that's a fascinating construction and, and obviously a, an accurate one, but not a construction I think most people are used to hearing or seeing in this country right now. The fact that government itself, is not there as a solution to many of the problems, most of which government has created. Is that a fair, a, a fair summary? Absolutely. I remember the line from the Reagan inauguration. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. That is one of the lines from the speech I've never forgotten. And I think that applies today more than ever. It, it is that... When they look at, all right, why are things so expensive? Well, it has to do with government policy about uh, domestic production of, 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 uh, of fossil fuels. It, ha it has to do with pouring tons of money in the economy, giving tons of stimulus out, paying people not to work, telling people you don't have to pay your rent. I mean, the government created these, why are people coming across the border? Because they lessened the policy. I mean, when they look at these things that are driving them crazy, not only is the government failing to react, the government is behind it. It is their fault. So while role of government discussions sound, you know, like something that ought to happen in academia and have route, that's exactly the problem people have right now is the role of the government. And, and one of the problems within all of that is, of course, runaway inflation. We're talking now double-digit inflation at the wholesale level, soon to be at the consumer level in all likelihood. We are also watching the a ever-growing number of people who are saying they can't contend with these higher prices, that it's affecting family budgets. It is affecting consumer behavior and not in a positive way. It's only getting worse. Inflation is one of the one of the most uh, toxic and difficult uh, maladies and economics to contend with in terms of policy. This administration is doing absolutely nothing except 
Brian Deese, the president's economic council director, saying that he has to spend more money to get to fix inflation. The man obviously never took a course in economics in his life. What is going on in this White House? You know what that sounds like? That sounds if you've ever if you've ever and I don't mean to laugh, but if you've ever had uh, friends or associates who had uh, substance abuse problems, it's just give me a little more and it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, era, That's what era it sounds like dog. to me. It sounds era like an addict dog. asking for a little more so to be okay. <laughs> You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, it, it is... it, it, it's just people are just telling us that they're so frustrated. They, they're mad that everywhere they go. They're getting terrible service because companies can't hire people. People that hire everybody that tells us they own a business, they're distraught. They can't hire people. And if they train somebody how to do something, within a few months, somebody another company that does the same thing they do pays them more, takes them away. If there's so few people working. And it's just very frustrating. And it's this is all created by the government. And, and you know, I, I, as silly as it sounds, everybody ought to mention Joe Manchin their prayers at night. <laughs> that guy oh. has done more to stop what could have been a complete debacle than any one single person in Washington. Now, by the way, that's I don't think that's uh, funny at all. I think uh, I'll be on my knees because here's a man who has single-handedly stopped uh, some of the worst public policy initiatives uh, imaginable and made certain that it won't be enough to get rid of the filibuster. He is quite something, and we, and, I, and you're right, the nation owes this man a, a debt of gratitude, a lasting debt of gratitude. Uh, and why was Mitch McConnell not speaking out? Why was it not the Republican Party? It's Joe Manchin, uh, the standing tall and alone from the from the mountains of West Virginia, who did it, and who is doing it? Uh, you're exactly right, and and we need. Some. But there are signs of Joe Manchin. There's signs of good things. Joe Manchin is an example of something else. You know, and one of the things that that people are beginning to recognize, and we picked this up a good bit, especially kind of with some focus group work, is that COVID changed people's opinion about government. In a very unique way, state and local governments matter again. They matter more than they've ever mattered. And all of a sudden, people realized, hey, who my governor is, who my legislature is, who my town council, city council, county council, uh, you know, who, township council, who those people are matter. And that paired with the Supreme Court, putting things back in the proper role of government, handing things like the EPA regulation back to the Congress, handing abortion back to the state, the reestablishment of federalism and the importance of federalism demonstrated to people during COVID are very pos positive things that, that we've taken out of the last few years. And when you say that, we've also had uh, validation of that judgment and uh, viewpoint on the part of the American people. Because now we recognize, because of some recent examples of honesty when it comes to uh, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci finally admits that the vaccines were not overly uh, effective 
in stopping infections, which is what their whole purpose was. But they do help in some cases uh, against serious disease, hospitalization, and even death. So that that's to the positive. But uh, can you imagine him having said that honestly and forthrightly and what the difference would have been when we were having mag, uh, mask mandates, we were having mandates for vaccinations uh, and, and finding out that one of the masks that was being worn was by the big pharma because they were, they were masking the unintended and tragic consequences of vaccines uh, amongst uh, tens of thousands of Americans who died as a result of uh, an unfortunate reaction to those vaccines, some of those vaccines. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a horrid, a horrid time, but as you're, you know, you're exactly right, Robert. The American people took a lesson uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and it's, uh, it's astonishing to me uh, that uh, that's starting to work. We're seeing a lot, of, a lot of consequences. One is, as you say, uh, all politics is local is another way of saying it. And uh, learning that, that important lesson. Uh, and we're also learning that elections still have consequences. Joe Biden is leaving the border wide open. Millions, not hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands, but millions of illegal immigrants entered this country. Two million entered this country in the first year that Joe Biden was in office. How can that be? People ask. Does Robert Cahaley have an answer? Well, I mean, if you if you make a big old meal and you then the smell goes out the door and you leave the door wide open, hungry people outside your house gonna come in. And if you send them a gold plate, <laughs> he left the door open. And if you leave the door open, you send them with that a gold-plated invitation to a big old jet ride to uh, a community of your choice to do whatever you wish on the taxpayer's uh, time and uh, money, uh, well, you, it's almost an irresistible deal, I would say, for most people living in uh, at or below the poverty line in, the, in Central and in South America. Yeah, and the thing is, you can't blame the immigrants. Of course they don't want to do that. They're not stupid. I mean, they get it. They scared this. Somebody like Trump might get elected, and this might be their last shot. I mean, that's the way it is. But no, I think that this is what you're seeing. And the public is becoming wise. They became wise to what their kids were being taught in school. Uh, they've just there's just a new activism, and a new crowd of people have been brought into politics and paying attention. And you know. Obviously, the word woke is overused, but there are a lot of conservative philosophies who, that have been uh, waking up, and they are also engaging. And so, I, you know, we're, we're seeing – one of the ways it manifests itself with us is we are seeing more people willing to take surveys right now than we've seen recently. Uh, compared to 2000 – and 20, uh, the pe people are so angry right now, they want to tell you what they think. So I, I'll That's be honest, our participation is, is a lot easier than it used to be in a lot of states. Well, you know, you've got to change that. You make it sound easier and you ought to lower your rate. So what I would suggest you do, Robert, no, 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 is, 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 talk, 
<laughs> is tell your clients how angry they are. And so you have to be in greater proximity to danger. And therefore, you have to raise your rate. <laughs> That's just a little marketing. Well, I and, for you up. well, and if anybody knows how all this stuff works, I'm telling you, get the, the, the phone companies are trying to block calls like surveys and call them uh, spam and stuff. The amount of money the groups that do this right do spend to make sure their stuff, which is not spam, uh, doesn't doesn't be treated as text or phone or email spam is a lot, and that's getting harder and harder. But no, it's it's true, and you're seeing so much more uh, interest. And I think this is this represents kind of a, a you know people. You I always used to give a philosophy that people thought was insane. I said low voter turnout was a sign of a strong democracy. People go, well, that's ridiculous. I'm like, let me tell you why. If you live in a country where you know if this election goes the wrong way, your house is gonna burn down and you have to leave, you don't miss the election. But if you live in a country that's so stable, you really don't think your life is gonna change much no matter who wins the election, you might not vote. And so- See, That's a great point. The fact that Americans have now started to the voter turnout's going up means that we're that stability that that allowed us the luxury of low voter turnout isn't there anymore. No. Now this this one is every vote counts uh, if if we know who's counting it, uh, and so we've got a double whammy. Really, uh, we're still not sure about electoral secure uh, security integrity, so people are nervous about that as well. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I think that I think people are, are right, rightly nervous, but the, you know, I always tell people there's things you can do. For example, if you have one of those states where you vote on a computer, but it gives you a paper printout that then you hand to somebody to scan, stop, look at it, make sure that piece of paper looks like what you just did. Don't put it in there till you've looked at it. That's a simple step you can take. You can look at that because that's the piece of paper that's going to be recounted. They can't change that piece of paper. So look at it. Make sure it's what it, you mean it to be before you hand it to the scanner. And, you know, if you can participate as, as a poll watcher, do it. I mean, people just need to be vigilant, and they need to make sure. And there have been some laws that have been passed, but, I mean, part of it is everybody, I think a lot of people learned the lessons, and we saw a lot more aggressiveness in Virginia with having both uh, having both sides having the proper amount of legal representation and and, and just recognize this is a, this is a big fight and the other thing is this fight starts way before election day. Uh, the idea of trying down. people trying to take elections and confuse voters and 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 do things that are different and, and, and try to try to pull something over on people, it starts way before Election Day, and it includes suppression polling. Polls are designed to, to get you to start accepting a result that isn't going to be real. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, and by the way, there ought, to be, there ought to be some way in which the two parties could watch over each, uh, you know, look over each other's shoulders at what they're doing, because I... I I also understand there's a commercial interest in it, but it really should stop because the left has become uh, uh, quite a different 
they're not just a party of uh, opposition or one a part of a two-party system. They are becoming a one-party system uh, and doing so through uh, illegal and uh, totalitarian uh, means, as far as I'm concerned. What do you think? Well, I think some of the stuff that Zuckerberg did and some of the things that we saw, I mean, the way I understand the law, spending C3 money to do some of the things they did, um, if you if you decide to help an area because of its electoral significance with C3 money, my understanding is that is a violation of the 501C3 because you've made that decision based on political data, which is the what is the old fruit of the poisonous tree. So I, I think there's been some I think if they would have simply enforced the law, they, they couldn't do that with the three money. Uh, but there is this outside money that was not used for the regular things that we're used to, like buying ads. It was right. used to used to provide people to work at the polls and all, all kind of things. And, you know, you take a poor election system that's dealing with COVID and dealing with people getting paid not to work and they're desperate for workers. And they hear all these people ready to go. But those people aren't impartial, and so that's dangerous, and that shouldn't that should not be allowed. That you know we, we've got to insist on the impartiality. There there are millions of people who work at the polls, Republicans and Democrats, who pride themselves on good on trying to do good elections, and so funding people to get in the middle of them is not is not a fair way to do it. Well, you know, it's also very much the case that. Uh, 401c3 money uh, happens to be tax deductible and therefore Zuckerberg now I got to influence uh, the outcome of election he, he got to take a tax deduction as well I mean that's just that's just uh, absurdity at its highest level don't you think yes well and the thing is and the way that the system works is had he done the same thing for every county in Georgia red or blue, then there would be nothing wrong with it. Right. But he targeted, and that's why it's a problem, because the C3 is supposed to be for education, and, and, and it, you can certainly do it to help the election process, but you can't, you'd have to do it with every county, irrespective of how they vote. We're talking with Robert Cahaley of uh, Trafalgar Group, one of the country's very best, uh, most accurate pollsters, if not the very most uh, very uh, most accurate uh, uh, pollsters uh, over the course of uh, years, decades, uh, and a wonderful, wonderful American. Uh, Robert, I want to ask you this. We've we got a, a lot of reporting now going on about the amount of money that's flowing in from billionaires. We've got billionaires running for office. We've got almost billionaires running for office. We've got millionaires running for office. And one of the reasons is they're self-funding, of course, and therefore the parties, either party, doesn't have to worry about putting money toward them. This is starting to corrupt the system in a different direction. It was used to be that billionaires just like to influence elections. Now they want to run the government in some form or other, from the Senate, from the House, or maybe get not just an ambassadorship, but let's get on the, you know, the the presidential cabinet. What do you think of this trend? Well, in general, I think part of America's problem has been that in America, 
if you were really successful, you went into business, not politics. You know, we always joke about the the, the old story about the the guy with the uh, he, he, the guy has three sons. His smartest son becomes a doctor. You know, his uh, second smartest son uh, starts his own business, and and the one that's a little slow goes to, goes to law school and becomes a, 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 an elected official. Right. And that was and kind it, of the story. Of that's funny. That's funny because it's true. I mean, it really is true. Even uh, have the hierarchy of intelligence correct, right? But so I don't, it's not, an, to, to me, this is my personal opinion, I don't think it's a problem. I don't mind a wealthy person being in office who says I don't need the money because, frankly, I'm not sure money, that, money that comes from the party or party auxiliaries comes with strings that I don't like. So when a billionaire runs for office and says, I don't need it, you can't control me, I'm not sure that's always bad. Uh, and I like the transparency of, hey, I'm just going to pay for this and nobody else is going to pay for it. Now, what is, you know, I mean, in the end, I think that uh, there are lots of billionaires on both sides. But one you have to be careful of. Where the billions come from? Are these people who made their money in America, or those or those billions of dollars come from overseas? Come from business in China and places like that? Because then you start wondering, right? What is the agenda of this person? And and second, uh, you know, when they run for office, I think they need to be held accountable. So, if becoming a billionaire meant doing business in China, shipping jobs to China, then maybe that. When that comes up, that's something you can't win. If becoming a billionaire meant you closed down a bunch of uh, factories in America and you know decided to build things, like I said, overseas, or you participated in things that overall hurt the American economy and American workers, then then I think they you should be held accountable for that. But you know, Trump was that type of person. Uh, he had run businesses and. He didn't have to take a lot of the donor strings because a lot of the money that comes from organizations, uh, comes from PACs, comes from, from rich individuals, usually comes with some strings. And sometimes the public doesn't know what those strings are. So I'm a little less worried about them running for office and a little more worried about them trying to influence things from the sidelines. Um in, in, in ways that we don't see, like funding prosecutors in races that we're not used to seeing well-funded. It, it's sort of like it's better to put them out in the spotlight <laughs> and see what they're doing uh, as best we can versus have them in the shadows. I, I take your point. I, I do also think, though, that we have an example in in Virginia. Uh, uh, Governor Youngkin there, uh, a Carlisle colleague, uh, is has funded uh, the James Madison uh, uh, home and museum, put $10 million into it. And the stories are now that you go to James Madison's uh, estate uh, and the next thing you know, you're being treated to a lavish uh, a CRT course. Uh, it's racist in nature. It talks all about slavery and not about James Madison's contributions to a government of three separate uh, branches, co-equal powers, 
a, a government of checks and balances. Uh, and uh, it, it's really disturbing that we lose the con- his importance to the Constitution and our way of government in favor of uh, uh, the, the Carlisle money, 10 million of it, uh, going through, uh, what is David's last name, the, the head of, uh, former head of Carlisle, I'm blanking on it. Uh, he, I mean, he's put $10 million in to turn it over to Black Lives Matter. Uh, it's it's outrageous. Yunkin is the governor who ran against exactly that kind of crap. Uh, and instead, you're, you're, t- you're talking about two very wealthy people going in opposite directions and both staying out of each, you know, it, you're, it's like watching elephants dance. It's okay to watch elephants dance, but don't get on the floor with them. And we're all on the floor, unfortunately, with them. Well, it, it is, it is, you know, the attempt to rewrite history is very frustrating. Uh, you, you see it all the time. And, it, you know, it's, I, I liken it to this. It is possible for me to put a Michael Jackson song on my playlist and enjoy it without thinking about all the accusations against him. Cause I just like the music, you know, I can enjoy something he created that was good. That was society will continue to benefit from some of his music and separate his personal behavior from that. And I think everybody ought to recognize that we can do that with anyone. Yeah, I, I can I can be forbearing just like any American, but why should I have to be? Why do we have to put up with, uh, and why do we think that this evolved to the point that billionaires are making decisions about which companies will face antitrust, uh, either action by the Justice Department, uh, the uh, ITC, uh, the FTC, uh, or... Uh, others that won't. Why are we not applying the law equally across the board? And why are we permitting these intrusions by just raw raw money, which is raw power? What do you think? Well, we actually polled the thing about the antitrust stuff. And the, the public, the, the numbers we got where the public was did not think this, this would make the inflation go down or any better they didn't they didn't they don't think it's a priority and some of the feedback we got is sometimes the government sells us on handing the government a little more influence because they don't like a couple particular companies but once their nose is under the tent they're going to be in every company so i don't find a lot of interest from more from more federal government oversight of business what we find in people is get the government out of business. Yeah, I, by the way, you would find me on that side too. But I would also be on the side of fully enforcing our antitrust laws and regulations. Uh, this is not a country that you would be putting up with big tech and social media that make a decision about whether a president will be on a platform, uh, whether or not. Uh, one view or the other, left or right, conservative, liberal or independent, will be found lacking on the part of the management of, uh, say, a Twitter, a Facebook, whatever it may be, uh, Google uh, or Apple, without consequence. Uh, That is an appropriate role of government and a very, very illegitimate role of uh, private industry. We've got to understand that we made a terrible mistake when we decided 
that corporations were citizens too, because they are not. And they have demonstrated it uh, throughout the past three decades. We've got to come to terms that the citizen in this country is preeminent, uh, that it is a government still of the people, by the people, and for the people. The consent of the governed is not not to be dismissed, swept aside, uh, or ignored. Uh, it is to be recognized in our Congress and in our Senate uh, and through every body of government, I believe. Your thoughts as we conclude well, here. If corporations are citizens, then let's talk about their citizenship, which country they loyal to. There you go. It matters. You know, I, th- I think I think back, and I, you know, I was a, I was a little kid. I don't I didn't know much. But would it have been weird for the Soviet Union to be buying up land all around America and buying farms and buying businesses <laughs> and buying swaths of land beside military bases? Would we have let that happen? You mean like we're letting the communist just, Chinese do right now? It, it, you know, the one thing I have figured out in this time when Republicans and Democrats disagree on everything, they all, there is a unanimity unanimity in unanimity in opposition to china opposition to chinese aggression to our dependence on china to the the uh the entire uh operation chain uh going through china the logistics to everything to the uh-huh. technology this if you want to win an election right now and you want to win a bipartisan election, talk about standing up to China because Republicans and Democrats are on the same page. And these oh. politicians need to catch up to where the public is. Republicans and Democratic individuals you're polling are on that page. They're Absolutely. And the elected officials are too far behind. There you go. They're not only behind. They are looking at the American people who see the Chinese for what they are. They see them as the enemy, and they are behaving as the enemy, conducting themselves as the enemy. And and, and Robert Cahaley is exactly right. They're buying up not only businesses in this country, they're buying up the ranches and the farms that are part, integral part of America's food chain, our domestic food chain, just as we're trying, trying to be independent from those foreign food uh, supplies. Uh, the Chinese are making fools of us once again, and this government. Uh, and the Republicans say, and Democrats continue to be. I mean, the the public, they see it. The public absolutely. sees it. The public is concerned about it. And I don't care if you are super left or super right. They they're on the same page. I mean, it, it is. If if you're seen to be weak on opposing China versus somebody who's strong. You're going to lose. It's just that simple, and you're going to lose a general election because this is a place where Americans agree. What are your candidates saying when you point that out to them? And let's say they're in one instance they're. Uh... I don't really work for candidates, so I don't get to point that out to them. But I, when I talk to candidates, I tell them that, and most of them tend to agree. Um, most of them tend to say that's what they hear on the trail. They hear all that all the time. But this is more of a, you know. I heard some guy, I think he was from Arkansas, call it the Uniparty, the, um, the, the group of established politicians that have been in charge that are kind of running things that hold the leadership in both parties. He, that, that's where the, 
where the where this position is. And yeah, it's an important point you really make here, Robert. Uh, and uh, the hypocrisy of it, the inexplicable, the ins- the uh, the unexplainable not, uh, reality is that this would be this kind of a dichotomy between the the, the, uh, the totalitarian Russia and the totalitarian communist China. Why do we treat them so differently? When in point of fact, in terms of proximate, immediate, and present danger. It is the Chinese when it comes to American interests. Is that a fair statement in your opinion? I, I think I think it is fair. The only thing that that I think has helped is the coalescence of NATO because of what Russia did has shown China that a a, a group of countries they thought were very disunited can come together when somebody upsets the the established kind of post-World War II boundaries. And I think that strength may have delayed uh, some of their plans for Taiwan. And so well, that, is, that is a good development. Let's hope that's, that proves to be the case uh, because China becomes, as you know, even more bellicose when it comes to Taiwan, uh, more threatening, uh, and, and the physical, uh, the actual incidents that occur, whether it be in the uh, defense uh, zones, uh, air defense zones of Taiwan, uh, whether it be in the South China Sea with the U.S. Navy, they continue to multiply. And, uh, again, the rhetoric emanating from Beijing is not hopeful. Uh, let's... let's uh, Hope against hope. That, yeah, not, uh, and not to mention space. Yes, well, absolutely. Uh, where they right now are being uh, even more aggressive, uh, frankly, as they go after uh, satellites and are demonstrating what they mean to do when it comes to the moon. And, and that is what the United States refused to do, which is uh, claim territory and colonize uh, when we were the first by 50 years uh, to be uh, on, on the moon. It's, again, a case of Americans, uh, perhaps American uh, short-sightedness or uh, just simply uh, better values. But nonetheless, the Chinese are exploiting the the present uh, opportunity. Uh, Robert, we We are teaching our our soldiers about, you know, we're teaching our soldiers about um, critical race theory. We're teaching our soldiers about transgender. We're teaching our soldiers about white supremacy. So our, our soldiers are busy. Yes, they are busy. They're busy recruiting, too, because the United States Army <laughs> right now has a 40% deficit in its recruiting targets because they forget the young men and women who would be going into the Army or watching what they're doing to the Army. And they don't want, they don't want to be treated the way our young soldiers are being treated uh, in all branches of the service. The Navy, for example, I saw recently a training program that is just a training video that is unbelievable as they try to teach uh, young sailors uh, the proper pronouns with which to address not their fellow sailors, but their quote-unquote colleagues. Robert, you can't make this stuff up. 
But as you say, there is hope because I just saw an article uh, yesterday in which a, a, psycho a psychiatrist has finally said that gender identity and sex change operations are absolutely uh, re re absurd because a sex change does not change a person's sex and gender. Uh, and and to, to go on with this gender identification uh, is, is simply mental illness. So we're beginning to see at least a, a, an opening for rationality to take over this conversation that has fearfully uh, taken over the, the Marxist left in this country and turned it into a multi-year uh, indoctrination program in our schools and in our government and our military. You get the last word. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that it's just the people of the country are telling us they want the government to quit spending time on things they don't care about and to refocus on the things that they do care about. And what that means for people is increasing domestic energy production, uh, stopping with the this environmental hypocrisy where we have to jump through certain hoops, Western Europe has to jump through certain hoops, all so that China and India can do whatever they want. Uh, people understand that this government has got to change and, and, and to come back to being focused on increasing the quality of life for Americans and making sure that in the long term, the country is safe and secure. And that's the purpose of government. And it is not all the social engineering. And so as people recognize that, I think we'll see uh, them vote that way. And this new sense of activism, these new people who've been brought into politics, I think are going to be a net positive over the years. And I think you're not only going to see wholesale changes in Congress uh, and wholesale changes in some state legislatures, I think you're going to see uh, uh, better school board members and better town councilmen and better mayors. And, and, and all of that is a result of this new activism. And, and in the end, I think it'll be positive. Thanks so much, Robert, for being with us. Always uh, appreciate it. Uh, you and the Trafalgar Group, we wish you all the very best of luck and thank you for your constant uh, and accurate polling and a sense of this country's mood. We certainly appreciate it. Look forward to our next conversation. God bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you, too. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. Our guest next week will be Mike Lindell, General Michael Flynn, Donald Trump Jr., Senator Tommy Tuberville, Mark Simone, and Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, Kelly Ward, and Lee Smith. It's a great lineup, and we hope you'll be with us. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America.